Masks on the first day of mandatory mask measures for Melbourne and Mitchellshire. The Treasurer announces the biggest budget deficit since World War II. New research reveals full lockdowns do not reduce the number of critical cases or the overall death rates. And ABC Chair Ida Buttrose says millennials in the workforce lack resilience and need constant attention. Live from our headquarters, this is Ticker Newsroom. That is what we are called. Welcome to Ticker Newsroom. I'm Adrian Franklin with the latest in news, business, tech and entertainment. Plenty coming up. We have a packed 30 minutes, so stay right there. I can tell you the ASX has just closed. So let's have a look at how we finished the day moments ago. So we gained a small amount of ground. That's despite the news of the rising budget surplus. The market was up around 0.4 of a percent early days as financials pushed ahead after the opening. It's pulled back slightly though to finish 0.27%. Coca-Cola, Amatil, a solid performer on the day. Webjet, another solid performer as well. So we've closed the day On the ASX, returning to our top story and Treasurer Josh Frydenberg says the unemployment rate is expected to hit 9.25% in the December quarter as Australia faces a combined budget blowout of almost $280 billion by mid-next year. Today's pre-budget economic statement revealed a deficit of just under $90 billion, a long way from the predicted surplus of $5 billion. Of course, plenty has changed in that time. The good news, though, is that our GDP rate is set to defy the grim predictions set out by the Reserve Bank. Still, the nation will be in a debt hole of nearly $852 billion by June 2021. Okay, I read a pretty interesting article over the weekend talking about how Melbourne's urban planning hasn't actually helped during the pandemic. Although the city has been planned relatively well, the density of housing has allowed the virus to spread quicker. Our next guest runs a project management and consultancy group, Richard Jenkins. Welcome into Ticker Newsroom. How are you today? Thank you, Adrian. How have you been? Are you in uh, Melbourne at the moment? Where are you based? I am in Melbourne and I am in lockdown in my house. So, uh, okay. uh, yes, and uh, when I do venture outside, it's mask on. Very, very good. Yeah, that's, that's the case today. Let's hope it doesn't last too much longer. But this is really interesting, and I think it's something we're going to talk a lot more about in terms of urban planning, you know, how it looks at the moment, how it will look in the future. So the impact of COVID will be profound and long-lasting, in your opinion. Is that the way you're seeing it at the moment? I, I am, Adrian, and it will be across all sectors. Uh, what we're seeing is that the pandemic has really focused both employers and employees on their health and well-being. And as a result, we're going to see changes across the built form. So let's talk, let's get deeper into that. Um, firstly, why will the impact, why will we see an impact on urban planning, you know, given what's happened with COVID-19? Yeah, so straight off the bat, I suppose, we're going to see Australia's borders being closed for a period of time, and that will mean lower demand for property across the board, particularly high-density property, such as residential apartments. And that's probably a good starting point. So we have planned, Melbourne has planned to, I suppose, uh, accommodate all this population growth, and typically in city fringe locations, in apartments. 
right now we're not expecting to see any population growth for a period of time so therefore that will be uh, we'll have less need for apartments going forward for the short term at least but it also mean that people will be looking at different ways to live and what more likely than not is that people will prefer to have less dense accommodation straight away. Yeah, so let's talk about how this will play out, whether it's going to be fleeting or whether it's going to be more permanent and longer lasting. I think that's what everyone's grappling with at the moment. You know, the new normal, will we return to normal? Do you think this is going to be a really long-term, perhaps permanent change, really? Oh, I certainly think, Adrian, it will be a, a longer term. It won't be a, a blip. Uh, yep. We're already seeing why people have, are thinking about new workplaces. So if we look at the office, for an example, we'll need to have uh, a bigger areas for people to feel comfortable at their desks. We've seen a number of years, the, the flavor of the month has been hot desking, where someone comes into the office and picks a desk that's vacant for that day. That's going to be out and we'll have dedicated offices again. What we'll also see is that we'll have probably need thermal scannings, but also uh, more technology into buildings. So we see contactless uh, entry points, potentially into bathrooms, a lot more um, hygiene stations around the offices as well. So in addition to individual sectors, do you think specific areas of Australia will be impacted uh, less or more than other regions? I think this is a great opportunity for the regional cities of Australia. We've yep. seen that the future of the workplace will involve a a factor of remote working. So whether it's five days a week full time or whether it's just one day a week, remote working is probably gonna be part of everyone's working style. So that now means that maybe living in a regional city uh, can offer that opportunity for uh, people to, to purchase a price, purchase a property which is lower than yep. the, the capital city. So when they don't necessarily need to be in the office five days a week, all of a sudden the regional cities offer an attractive option. And these regional cities are, are often less dense than the ca capital city counterparts. And just finally, if we sort of scan forward, I don't know, let's say more longer term, 10 years or so, um, I know it's a bit of guesswork, but obviously it's part of your, um, your role and your experience. How do you think things will change in, in 10 years? What will the major differences be? Oh, I think major differences will be more space for people. So that will okay. be a whole across every sector. So whether it's private balconies in, in residential properties, whether it's, it's larger offices, whether it's even um, larger um, par, uh, corridors so that people don't get too close in, in passing in corridors. Also, just the foyers of buildings will be different so that if people are waiting for a lift, there'll be more space rather than be densely packed in. So this is going to be longer lasting and it will mean that buildings will need to be retrofitted um, appropriately to, to meet the new standards of what people are demanding in their workplaces now. And Plan One Consulting is, is your group, your company. So how can we find out more online and, and what are you doing over the next you know, short to medium term? What are your plans? Yeah, so Plan One Project Management and Consultancy. We yep. are a property project management company uh, we offer all kinds of advice across all sectors and we're seeing, as I said, all, se all sectors are impacted by COVID. Uh, we've had requests from different groups looking at reimagining their workplaces, whether that's affordable housing, whether that's aged care, whether it's office. We're seeing a lot of demand across all sectors and clients right now looking for that advice to, to reimagine and repurpose their, their property. Awesome, mate. Thanks so much for your time. This is going to be fascinating to watch. Let's stay in contact as well. Enjoy the rest of Absolutely. your evening.
Thanks, Adrian. You too. Thank you. Thanks, mate. Richard Jenkins there from Plan One Consulting. Jump online and check it out. So that's plan and then one as in the number one consulting. Uh, Let's take a quick look at our Twitter poll today. The question is, is the handshake dead? I can tell you final results. I mean, you can jump on, let us know throughout the evening, but 55.2% are saying yes, it is dead. 44.8% of you saying no, it will continue. So that's actually come back a little bit closer to almost 50-50. Earlier in the day, it was a lot more saying yes, it's dead. So jump online and have your votes. Well, this is an incredible stat. 100 million new businesses start every single year. 100 million and 90% of them fail within three years. It seems like a bit of a waste, doesn't it? So how can we change that? That's the big question. Someone who has some idea is Simone Vincenzi, who is joining us live from London right now, I believe. Simone, hello to you. How are you? I'm incredibly well. Thank you very much, Hadrian. How about you? Really, really well. Um, Just briefly, what is it like in London at the moment? Are you in lockdown? Are you out of lockdown? What's happening there? So in London, we are out of lockdown. So totally out of lockdown. But life is strange. Life is very strange because if you think about London, it's very vibrant. You have a lot of people moving around. It's quite a chaotic city. And uh, for a period of lockdown, it felt like ghost town. You were going around and there was no one. And now slowly people are starting coming back, but uh, it does, there is not the same feeling that there was before. Well, it's good to have you here, you know, safe and well. So that's, uh, that's good news. Um, let's talk Thank about you. Business- I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about businesses that are, you know, that are struggling and, and struggling even before COVID. Now that things are really even worse, um, how can we look to save these businesses, do you think? I think that there is uh, something that happened with uh, COVID, uh, which actually COVID leveled the playing field. So okay. either on one side, there were a lot of industries that are struggling, a lot of, uh, in particular, like large companies that uh, with massive overheads that couldn't sustain uh, the during COVID period and also post-COVID period, that uh, yep. post-lockdown period that, that we had. Uh, so they made a, a lot of people redundant, they shut companies down, they, they closed sites. Uh, on the other side, you have uh, the flexibility of small businesses. Because yes, some industry, a lot of industry have been affected, but a small business can reinvent themselves quite quickly. And so there are a lot of opportunities for small businesses to uh, compete now with bigger ones where before they weren't. So you've sort of mentioned it there, some of the benefits that COVID did actually bring to small business. So do you have real optimism that small businesses can bounce back after this period of time? Absolutely. I have a real optimism in particular because uh, uh, is in the nature of entrepreneurs. <laughs> what do entrepreneurs do? They, they bounce back and they create opportunities. And so uh, entrepreneurship is actually finding solutions to problems. And uh, there is going to be a lot of adjustments to be made. There are going to be a lot of even more small businesses that will uh, um, have to totally reinvent themselves. And uh, that's going to be part of the process. And as it can be painful, like change is going, can be painful at times. 
but I'm really confident uh, we can then uh, thrive uh, even in this uh, uh, economy. That's great. Yeah, we talk to a lot of business people, entrepreneurs here. And uh, yeah, I really enjoy the optimism. Obviously, an incredibly difficult time. And it's, you know, probably easy to only focus on that. But, you know, now it's time to try and move forward where we can. So if, if you're talking to a small business out there, um, what would you say to them? How can a small business thrive in a, a period after COVID in that sort of economy? Well, there are a few things that happened. Uh, first of all, is moving from uh, uh, where you can from local to global. Because one of the things that COVID forced every business to do, or in particular when we couldn't go physically into yep. businesses, um, is actually to be online. But when you are online, now you have your entire world <laughs> in front of you. And so, well, maybe before you were charging in your local currency, for example, now you might change some offers and charging as well, uh, maybe US dollars, which is uh, the uh, most common um, uh, form of money, which is uh, which is yep. currency, which is uh, which is the news. Uh, so that's one thing. So it's the, the going from local to global thinking. Another thing that we can do is then, uh, and this is not new, but I think a lot of businesses, they, they must embrace it right now, <laughs> is the power of social media. Uh, is the power of social media that allows you to connect with customers uh, all over the world. And while before, maybe you had people walking <laughs> in front of your door, now <laughs> you need to be as a business uh, in front of their door, which is uh, their phone, their TV, their screen, their laptop. Yeah, absolutely. Well said. Mate, thank you so much for your time. We've got a really busy show, so we'll move on. But how can we jump online and find out what you're up to? You're a business growth expert. How can we stay in contact with you? Absolutely. You can visit my site, which is www.gtex.org.uk. So it's www.gtex.org.uk. There are a lot of free resources there for entrepreneurs uh, to help them um, navigate these uh, particular times. And then you can get in touch there through the website for private work as well. Awesome. Really enjoy the chat. Enjoy the rest of your day. And uh, we'll talk to you again in the future. Thank you. That's my pleasure. Simone Vincenzi there, business growth expert based in London, of course, Italian. Uh, great to have him for the first time on the show. Okay, our next guest has the bold aim of wanting the world to be a kinder and healthier place through her products that are better for people, better for animals, and also better for the planet. Julie Mathers, welcome to Ticker Newsroom. How are you today? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me here. No, no, thank you for your patience. I know we were going to get you on in the previous show, so thanks for jumping back on. In this unusual world, oh, it's right. a little bit all over the place sometimes, but, uh, yeah, we appreciate your time. <laughs> pleasure, pleasure, pleasure. Uh, where are you based, first of all? Where are you at the moment? So I'm at home, which yeah. is quite nice, as probably everybody is right now. Um, yep. But I'm at home and we are in New South Wales. So we're in a little place called Galston, which is about okay. 40 minutes, 50 minutes north of Sydney. And, um, but our business is actually in North Rocks. So near Parramatta for anyone okay. who doesn't know Sydney. Yeah, very good, very good. No, I always just like to ask, you know, people are all over. I mean, we, you just watched that interview uh, previously, got someone yeah. in London. I just want to find out where you are. So it's good that you're yeah, safe yeah. and well, first of all. 
Yes, yes, we certainly are. Thank goodness. <laughs> Very good. Hey, let's talk about flora and fauna. So tell us about what makes it different exactly. Yeah, so we, um, I describe our business flora and fauna as a platform for purpose. So, yep. and by that, we're an online store. We have over 8,000 products. Everything's vegan and cruelty free. So we sell a lot of, a lot of stuff and we've got okay. a big focus on the planet. And um, we also have a physical store too, which is out at North Rocks. But what makes us different is the, the other stuff that we do. And that's really, that's why I call us a platform for purpose. We use our reach, we use our, um, our, it, our profit ultimately to, yep. to do good. And by that, we look at packaging, we look at carbon offsetting, we look at recycling, we look at, we look at being a better business, basically. And, um, and that's, that, that's kind of our, our difference, as well as selling great products, of course. Of course, yeah, of course. Um, what sort of response have you had from people? You know, obviously a lot of businesses are purely out to make money, the fact that you make money and yeah. then try and use that for good. Do you sort of find a bit of a community that you're able to build because you've got that message? Yeah, huge, huge, huge community actually, um, and it's and that's that's something that really drives me on and something I love. Um, yeah. And in fact, we have a so we have a Facebook page as as everyone does, and we have an Instagram page, and we've got a massive community on there that follow us and see what we do. And actually, someone just put a little comment on our Facebook group, which is something else we have, saying, "Hey, Julie, I'd love to hear more about your story and what <laughs> you're doing." And so it's very, it's really personal, and yeah. I'm I'm. I've been active in the business from the very start, which was six years ago, and I'm still really, really active in the communication to, to our customers and our community. And so we get such a great response because of that, because I'm not this invisible person behind a screen. screen. I'm, I'm really, really in there, and I think that makes a bit of a difference. Yeah, no doubt. I think that's a lot of what we're learning now with products and businesses. It's all about you know, telling a story more of a personal kind of touch. That's how a community forms. So tell us about, you know, in terms of your inspiration and, and how you started, how did that play out? You know, your idea, your inspiration, where did that sort of build from? Yeah, so uh, great question. I've, well, I've worked in retail for a very long time. It's, it's almost close to 30 years, which is terrifying. And in that time, I've um, I've worked all over the world, lots of different retailers, and I just wanted to work in a better business. And I got to the point six years ago when I was almost about to turn 40 and I went, right, you're, you're either going to do something about this yourself or, or, you, or you're going to shut up and go and work for someone else. <laughs> and I thought, okay, let's go and actually do something. And that's and my love of, uh, as you said it before, the people, planet and animals is really what inspired me to go, come on, Julie, let's, let's create a better business. You've got enough experience doing this, so let's put that to good use um, and go and do it. And that's really what inspired me to, to create Flora and Fauna. Awesome. Uh, no, I, thank you for sort of explaining that. That's great. Our big milestone you achieved recently. Tell us about that. Yeah, so we ship all of our packages uh, plastic free and we've done okay. that since 2016. And we've, well, so we've done that for four years now, and, uh, and we've saved over 30 tonnes of plastic going to landfill just by not using plastic satchels or dick envelopes for invoices or anything like that. Yeah, awesome. Tell us about some of the other initiatives that you have in place just in terms of being kinder to, to the planet. 
Yeah, so we, we carbon offset all of our orders. So whenever anyone orders from, from us, we're basically regenerating forests. Yep. And one of the most popular ones is our recycling scheme. So for all the pro we sell a lot of beauty and skincare, and for all of those products, if they come in plastic packaging, and more is now not, but if they come in plastic packaging, we will take all of that packaging back. And okay. we'll get that recycled so it doesn't go into landfill, plus customers earn $10 for recycling. Um, awesome. and, and actually, we take other brands as well. So we take any beauty packaging. Nice. Uh, just a brief one to finish. What advice would you have to business owners you know, looking to do better? And then tell us how we can find you online. What's the best way? Start small. So just okay. make the odd change, which might be um, losing the uh, single-use plastic in the office. But just make small changes and then grow from there. Rome wasn't built in a day, so don't stress trying to do everything all at once. Just take it off piecemeal. And to find us, come yep. to floraandfauna.com.au. Uh, we're also on Facebook and Instagram, Flora and Fauna AU. Awesome. Hey, really appreciate your time. Let's talk again in the future. Stay in contact, okay? Thank you. Pleasure. Thanks so much. Take care. Julie Mathers there from Flora and Fauna. Jump online and check out what they're doing. It's always good to talk to someone who's trying to do good for the world, make a profit and put that back in a good way. Okay, business and finance is a huge part of our focus here at Ticker as I welcome in Conrad Song, who's Managing Director, Founder at Macro Capital. Conrad, welcome to Ticker Newsroom. Hi, thanks for having me. So let's get into it. What stocks do you expect to outperform during uh, reporting season, which is upon us now? Yeah, reporting season. So it's, um, it's, it's, it's a messy one, I think, obviously, with everything that's going on. Um, I think, firstly, what, what we sort of expect is that the guidance that these companies have sort of put forward um, should take into consideration the COVID environment. So we, we expect to yep. see, hopefully, better numbers. Uh, that being said, um, we do have sort of sectors. So we, we, we like top down. So we look at the sectors first, and then we look at sort of the, the underlying companies within those uh, sectors. So we, we like... IT, healthcare, and materials. And the reason why we like those sectors at the moment, um, it's, it's really quantitative at the moment. So, you know, all of this sort of strategic, um, um, I guess, decision-making by businesses should be reflected in some way or another through the numbers. Um, so we're looking at sort of the quantitative figures of EPS, DPS, and EBITDA. Um, so IT, for example, have 182% increase in EPS from uh, fiscal year 19. Healthcare is looking at 6.8, materials 4.9. Out of those sectors and sort of, I guess, you know, within that sort of parameter, um, we've identified Fortescue Metals, uh, Magellan mm -hmm. and EVN as our top picks. Um, and, and I guess sort of just to delve into that. So Fortescue is an interesting one. I think a lot of analysts uh, have been covering this name. Um, recently, the Treasury came out and said, um, uh, or they predicted that the iron ore price would decline um, to sort of US 55 bucks a ton. Um, most analysts are looking at 75 to 80. Uh, it's currently at 102, just to sort of put things in, you know, uh, relative um, spectrum. But um, yeah, we, we, we think we, we think it's way too pessimistic uh, at the moment. Um, Fortescue is doing quite well. Obviously, they're going to be set to report. Um, we expect their dividends to be a, a, a nice sort of kicker for everyone uh, at sort of $1.77. Yep. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome, awesome. No, great information, man. Yep. Really appreciate it. Hey, from a macroeconomic standpoint. What are some of the major themes you're looking at? We're um, a little bit pushed for time. So yeah, I'll give you about a minute on this yeah. one, if that's okay. 
Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm good with speed. Um, so basically how it works <laughs> with us is when, it, when you look at sort of the macro theme, the COVID, um, I, I guess, impact is that with the JobKeeper, JobSeeker situation at the moment, Scott Morrison came out, I think it was Monday, um, and um, they announced that it's going to be extended to March 2021. Yep. Um, that's, that's extra liquidity hitting the market. Um, on top of that, it's tiered. Secondly, we have um, the, the, uh, the, um, the Euro European summit came out. They finally sort of concluded on their um, uh, pandemic recovery fund. That's, that's 750 billion euros. Um, that's, that's, that's on top of the 1.074 uh, billion, um, uh, sorry, trillion. Um, so we're looking yep. at so 1.8 trillion. That's, that's, a, that's a pretty big number. Um, so naturally, you know, the, the response to how these countries and economies sort of I guess, um, you know, fight the impacts of COVID will be sort of our main thematic at the moment. Um, yep. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so you sort of touched on it then, but just finally, just some of the major con consequences to the government's, you know, further stimulus that we've seen um, in terms of fighting the impacts of COVID. What, what do you sort of see in terms of what those consequences might be? Well, that's it. I think there's a lot of money being pumped into the markets. Um, yep. you know, for example, today we recently had um, the budget um, update. Um, so that so the major headline that I got from my analysts today was that Australia GDP uh, is expected to contract uh, contract 3.75 percent. That's actually 0.75 percent better than what the IMF forecasted at 4.5 percent. Okay. Um, also, on top of that, our fiscal measures are worth 164 billion now, or 8.4 percent of national GDP. Um, that's translating into two years worth of deficit to be expected. 85 billion um, in uh, FY20 and 184.5 billion in FY21. And so what, what we're looking at, I think this is prudent for any investor um, sort of focus on, um, you know, what is the mechanism and how this money is being pumped into the market? So um, Phil Lowe um, from the RBA sort of hinted at the fact that it's going to be sourced through the issuing of government bonds. Um, mm -hmm. And um, I guess the, the concern with that is, and, and Josh Frydenberg sort of on my back with this one, he used the word unsustainable. Um, now, it's currently taking us $11 billion a month um, on top of the $30 billion that we've already pumped in to sort of sustain the current workforce. Um, and so the, the big if, and it's, it's, it's a big one, I mean, I mean, every investor, especially those who are long term, should be looking at sort of the, the black swan events, um, yep. is that if this continues and if, it's, if it really is unsustainable, um, I guess the question is how are we going to pay it back? Um, sure. And so, obviously, October 6th is the official budget. The government sort of, uh, the, the, the rhetoric has been, hey, we'll, we'll, we'll let you know, you know, in, in October 6th. Um, hopefully it's good. But the, the big question is, well, if there's any sort of impact to the ability for the government to pay back these loans, um, it's, it's going to have an effect on the credit rating. So, so again, sure. I'm, I'm making sure. some wild accusations here. But uh, movies <laughs> came out last month. We, we kept us, uh, they, they kept us at AAA. Um, yep. Uh, we're one of 11 countries that, that are stuck at, at, at AAA, which is great. Even the U.S. is at AA, right? And so um, if that's to be in, you know, impacted, Australia is already a fairly unattractive market, really, relatively speaking. I mean, if you take a look at our um, earnings growth um, uh, forecast moving forward, forward earnings rate, we're, yep. we're at negative yep. 6% or 1.5% 1, 1. compound over the next five years. Um, okay. And so really compare that to... Um, you know, if, if you look at these other indexes out there, so the NASDAQ, the, Hang, um, the, you know, the CSI, um, the Nikkei, um, you know, we're, we, again, if this, if this is not able to be paid back um, in, 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 a, in a plausible manner, we, we should expect yep. some risk um, to that. So that's, that's something that we're, we're looking out for for investors at the moment. Awesome, mate. Plenty of info there. Thanks so much for your time. We'll talk again soon.
No worries. Thank you very much. Conrad Song from Macro Capital. Okay, let's talk some sport to wrap up the program. Brett Phillips from 1116 SEN. Thank you for uh, waiting. How are you? Uh, Great to be with you, Adrian. Going well? Let's talk footy. Uh, Tonight, Gold Coast Suns versus the Western Bulldogs. Off the top of my head, I think for the Suns, it's their first Thursday night blockbuster game. Uh, It's a big one for them, isn't it? Prime time. It's uh, it's a great opportunity, Adrian. Not for the first time this year, they've made no change. So it's a really yep. settled lineup. I mean, a chance to get to five and three for the Gold Coast tonight. Uh, absolutely massive. They've had the last three weeks on the road after that string of home games to open the season. And nice for them to get a reward. It would have been, you know, uh, not such a great step for them this year if they had gone zero and three on the road. But to get that win against Sydney, uh, you know, a tough ground to win at, even you know if the Swans are going well or they're not going well. Uh, the SCG, it was uh, it was a really good breakthrough. And you know, for all these young clubs, we've seen the Giants do it much uh, uh, much more in advance. It's about ticking these little boxes. I love the Gold Coast. I love what they're dishing up, their brand of footy. They're very united. They reset this club about a year and a half ago. Everyone's bought in, Adrian. Everyone wants to be there and yeah. are investing in. I mean, how good's Isaac Rankin been the last two weeks? I mean, he has <laughs> genuinely got me out of my chair as a commentator because uh, the anticipation of... What he's about to do, you can see it from these stoppages where he positions himself. He just has this unbelievable knack of getting in the right spot. He's got amazing skills. He has lit up the Gold Coast. They lose Matty Rao again. Isaac Rankin. They've got Day and uh, Big Benny King up forward, going beautifully. Ballard and, of course, um, Collins down back, uh, yep. rock solid. You know, Big Witsy in the middle is going nicely. David Swallow. I mean, a guy like Braden Fiorini, Adrian Young Hart, well. He's in the leadership group. Yeah, no, it's incredible. Imagine Isaac Rankin getting ready for a Thursday night blockbuster. He's going to be ready <laughs> to go. Hey, well, um, he's missed so talk- much footy. Oh, he's, 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 missed, he's, he's missed so much footy that uh, yeah. I think he, he did a little um, uh, membership hookup with Gil McLaughlin this week. He and Matty Rao got on the phone, signed up Gil for that magnificent $39. They've passed their best ever membership record. And he said, mate, I don't care if it's four-day breaks. I have missed that much footy. I'm happy to play every day of the week. So he's, uh, he's got plenty of energy. Let's talk about the game you're most looking forward to this round. What have you got for us? Well, I'm I'm intrigued about Melbourne, uh, a, a club that uh, you know and uh, follow <laughs> very passionately. And um, I've covered their last two games on the radio, Adrian. And when they played the Gold Coast a couple of weeks ago, their season was absolutely on the line. And uh, a lot of scrutiny had come for the Demons. They were better that night. And then they go to another level uh, last weekend. In, uh, in getting a really good victory against Hawthorne. Now, I think Melbourne have certainly got the players, in my view, if everything can gel together. There's no problems around the footy. It was on the outside and their execution, their decision-making. But you watch a Jack Viney last week. You watch a, an Oliver. Just take a little bit of extra time, a little bit of poise. They mm-hmm. you know, are used to sort of banging the ball on the boot and getting it forward. But you know that connection from mid to forward's not working, but it did. And then you play Sam Wiedemann two games in a row. For me, he just has to stay in the side now. Just be that focal point. Uh, yeah. And Petrarca's taken his game to an unbelievable level. I mean, he uh, uh, he's validated what we all thought he could become, and that's now an elite player, Christian Petrarca. So they go up against Brisbane, who are in red-hot form. Melbourne win that. Gee, we start to take the Demons a bit seriously. Yeah, yeah it's a big opportunity for sure. Hey, just finally, um, uh, briefly, some latest tennis news. Of course, you've got... SEN, the first serve uh, every week. Yes. What's going on in the tennis world? Maybe not too much, I guess. 
Yeah, we had a great chat to Alexi Popperin this week, so you can go back and listen to the podcast at our website, thefirstserve.com.au. He's ruled mm -hmm. out going to the US Open, so he's firm okay. in his mind. He's not going. And, and the new ranking system has helped that because if you don't go, you're not going to be disadvantaged. He made the third round. He was defending points from last year. Look, Adrian, it's the million-dollar question. I don't know if it's 60-40, 50-50, 70 <laughs> I, I still think it's in huge doubt, the US Open. We've seen Washington cancelled this week. Uh, that's the next domino, which is either going to go ahead or fall. We know all the protocols. It's going to be very, very safe probably on site. But un unfortunately, I don't think enough players are going to be convinced to go there. And then I don't think the quarantine rules are going to be relaxed to get back to Europe without having to quarantine. So yeah, I think it's in a bit of drive the US Open. Mate, really appreciate your time once again. Enjoy the footy this weekend. We'll talk to you again soon. Thank you very much. <laughs> That's the news for now. Ticker website, jump on, download the Ticker TV app. I'll be back. Next Monday at 2 p.m. Enjoy your weekend. There are now more ways to watch Ticker. Download our apps for Apple and Android devices. We're live on Twitter and YouTube Live. And you can catch us on Amazon Alexa and Google Home. Head to the Ticker website for more.